0: Welcome to Talking for the Health of It with Permanente Medicine. I'm Amy Kaiser, Communication Coordinator.
1: And I'm James Boyle, Health Engagement Trainer. We both work on the Health Engagement Team here at the Mid-Atlantic Permanente Medical Group, where we serve members of Kaiser Permanente in the Mid-Atlantic region.
0: Today, we're talking with Permanente Medicine physician Dr. Ash Miller about seasonal affective disorder.
1: Welcome, Dr. Miller. Thank you for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Thanks for having me. My name is Ash Miller. I'm a board-certified adult and child adolescent psychiatrist with the Mid-Atlantic Permanente Medical Group. I see patients in the Northern Virginia service area.
0: With the winter months bringing along shorter days, it gets dark earlier, and a lot of the country has colder, less enjoyable weather. Often, we start to feel effects emotionally due to those factors. So, we're interested in hearing more about seasonal affective disorder and what it is and how we can combat it. So, uh, would you mind starting us off by defining what is seasonal affective disorder or SAD?
2: Yeah, thanks, Emmy. Happy to do so. So, I think probably the, for me, anyway, the best place to start when thinking about seasonal affective disorder is just really thinking of it as a component of any other mood disorder, um, particularly depression uh, or bipolar disorder. It's not really its own distinct entity. And uh, it's, it's really distinct from the winter blues, which is not, you know, of course, a, um, a mental health disorder. It's something that many of us get uh, this time of year, probably I would say most people in some form, uh, we'll get some type of, of winter blues. Seasonal affective disorder itself is probably somewhere under around, um, well, both the component that is um, part of depression or bipolar disorder is under about 10% of the population that are really going to be uh, getting this component of, uh, of of these types of mood disorders. But you know, it's still something that affects, when you think about 10% of the people, right? It affects millions of people um, in, in the country here. Of course, I would imagine across the world. And so it's something that we definitely want to take seriously.
0: Could you say more about how SAD is different from things like winter blues?
2: Seasonal affective disorder is different from some winter blues in, in the sense that they're, one is more of a mental health disorder that we're going to have treatment for, that we're going to have overwhelming functioning and symptom components that will possibly need to be addressed by some type of therapy or, uh, or medication, whereas winter blues is really something that we're probably just going to have to find ways to cope with or just wait to, to kind of get through this, this time period and keep pressing on. Um, so we think about them, you know, winter blues, mild, um, not that many concerns, not overwhelming concerns for our function, our symptoms and a seasonal affective disorder is a component of a mood issue, then that's going to be something where it's going to be a moderate or severe symptom burden and moderate to severe functioning burden. And that, I think, is the distinct difference between the two.
1: What are the causes of seasonal affective disorder? Why does it happen?
2: Yeah. So when you think about the winter or or fall, um, when we're going to see the overwhelming component of Seasonal affective concerns. All right, we're going to see less sun, uh, less warmth, uh, less of an opportunity to really move our bodies, uh, get vitamin D, do a lot of the things, uh, socially engage right with with others, do a, a lot of of things that will naturally improve our mental health and our sense of well being and our connectedness, and. So that's definitely one uh, big factor. I think another thing to think about too is that maybe, you know, temperament, right? Some people who are maybe a bit more likely to be having difficulty with, with finding the the positive things, right, or, or being a little bit more of a worrier. Those types of things are, are going to be uh, folks who are more likely to have seasonal affective disorder or will definitely need some some treatment or or just some recognition of finding ways to support it. And, and by the way, keep in mind, right, this is a component of, Of major depression. This can be a component of of bipolar disorder. So anyone who has a risk factor for those concerns potentially have uh, seasonal affective disorder as well.
0: What are some ways a person could recognize seasonal affective disorder in themselves?
2: We definitely want to pay attention to how we feel. So if we are feeling out of sorts in some way, whether we're angry or we are more sad, or having more mood swings. Of course, paying attention to our sleep and how we are eating. There's a lot of evidence to support with seasonal affective disorder. We'll see people eating more and sleeping more, difficulty managing our day-to-day activities, and just uh, certainly our, our, our ability to get along with our family, our friends, coworkers, community members, as much as seeing those relationships suffer. And definitely one of the bigger concerns or thoughts or actions of self-harm. We really, really want to pay attention to that and to make sure that we are addressing that if, um, if those symptoms are coming up and getting treatment accordingly. How might
1: someone recognize symptoms of seasonal affective disorder or seasonal depression in others in their life, such as uh, their friends or family?
2: I think the main thing we want to do is when we're thinking about others, right? Because we're not going to be able to know their emotions, right? People really have to tell us that. Uh, and if unless we're, you know, really exceptional at, at uh, reading body language, uh, sometimes we won't be able to pick up on those things either. So I, I think the best thing to do is look at how someone is, are they interacting with you, how you see changes in behavior, people uh, are more distant um, maybe you're seeing some small changes in you know kind of hygiene um or you're, you're seeing them being really saying i'm tired when you ask about everything and we kind of short i'm just tired or not really wanting to do the things that they used to do um yeah but those are all some i think some some signs that that we could notice in in others um if they could be struggling or not
0: what steps should someone take if they are experiencing seasonal affective disorder?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think it's good to um, really acknowledge that we are having this problem and acknowledge that it's something that's disrupting our, our quality of life and how we feel. And then once we've said, okay, this is something that I, I know I'm, I'm struggling with, and what do you want to do to help it? You know what what fits in line with your values um, that tells you, okay, this is this is what I have, and 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 this is what could work and what couldn't work. Uh, so for, for many people, uh, there could be a component of of isolation of of loneliness, and so so finding um, some ways to combat that uh, could be incredibly important and powerful to improving um, their. Uh, the mental power. I think we have to take small steps to find ways to be connected to others around us. And for many people, that can seem overwhelming. But I think it's important for us to tell ourselves that, uh, yeah, you know, most everyone feels exactly the way we're feeling. And as humans, we are social creatures. And we, we need to look, I think, for these opportunities to engage with people. Of course, there's some of the more traditional ways, like our religious or our spiritual communities, um, meetup uh, opportunities as well, or some of the uh, hobbies that we're involved in, whether it's sports or music um, or any of the other number of ventures that we have. Again, it can be really awkward. It can be really just uncomfortable. But we, we keep at it keep opening up that door for the opportunity. And you know another thing I'll add about this too, right? There's a lot of, of good evidence that supports for to have good human emotions, to have good human sense of well-being. We need novelty. We can't just do the same thing over and over as humans and expect to to feel good. So that means you know we can't just talk to the same people. we just can't uh, do the same activities. It's important and it's healthy to put ourselves out there and to take a chance. Another thing that we definitely want to highlight too is particularly for our sleep. Uh, We we like to talk about sleep hygiene. So basically when we're falling asleep, when we're waking up, uh, having a good rhythm to our day. And there is definitely a a large body of data now that talks about how having a, a good amount of melatonin release before we go to sleep, we can help have that good melatonin release uh, if we are exercising, moving our body, eating really well, and of course, getting light out of our eyes at least an hour or two before we go to bed um, so we can get a good release of that sleep hormone and we can get the the deeper stages of sleep, uh, stages three and four sleep that are very restorative to our body and by in turn, promote positive mood, keeping our bed um, just for sleep. So we're not trying to do everything there. and We're keeping our, our room re- really calm, And as much as there's, you know, many things that could work for us that, you know, we value doing these things, um, sometimes that might not be enough and that's where treatment can come into place and, um, active treatment can look like a lot of different things for many people. Um, medication can be helpful, uh, for some others. There's things like talk therapy and even, um, something along the lines of bright light therapy. All those things have been shown to be uh, helpful either individually or in combination to support and improve the symptoms of seasonal affective disorder.
1: For those who are struggling with seasonal affective disorder or depression and maybe struggling to make these changes, what can uh, their care team offer in terms of supporting them?
2: Once we've, we've you know, really done, I think, the um, self-care or uh, the foundation work of supporting ourselves with building in those habits that work for us and that we value. And we feel like, yeah, you know, it, it's just not getting where we need to go. And our symptoms are overwhelming. And we're having this these struggles with, with managing the symptoms. And of course, you know, if they're so significant that they're disrupting how we function, how we go about our day-to-day life, then we do want to get that help, and uh, I think we have a really outstanding group of doctors and therapists and care teams here who are committed to improving whether these symptoms are new or if it's a reoccurrence, and that could be from you know our, our youngest of patients to our very oldest. Um, So yeah, effective treatment is there, whether it's therapy, whether it's medication or some alternative treatments like bright light therapy. Those tools are essential and they're key to helping improve these symptoms.
1: And I'll share for Kaiser Permanente members in the Mid-Atlantic region, the number is 1-866-530-8778 to connect with our behavioral health team. And that number will also be shared in the description for this episode.
0: Can seasonal affective disorder go away on its own?
2: Yes, it can. It can go away on its own. Uh, we know that up to about fifty percent of people who have seasonal affective disorder will have remission of their symptoms with sometimes even no treatment. Now, I don't say that so that people um, will not take these concerns, you know, serious or just think they'll just go away, um, because during, you know, during that time, uh, there can be some, some things that can happen, such as uh, suicidal thoughts that we want to take very seriously. But to answer your question, yes, they can go away on their own. And also, there are many effective treatments. So uh, the other half, of the people who still might be struggling, the symptoms just don't go away. Uh, there can be ways that active treatment can help to move patients into remission so that uh, the symptoms are no longer overwhelming and uh you know our function if we're struggling with this is improved
1: what else would you like people to know about seasonal affective disorder
2: i really when i'm thinking about any type of mental health concern as a psychiatrist and by the way i don't i am a psychiatrist but i really like the term humanist because i think suffering and and managing our emotions is such a human experience So I'll say as a humanist, I think it's important to um, not have shame or have fear or even even guilt about these issues. It's, It's part of being a human, right? And we all, all of us, and I mean it, every last one of us as humans are susceptible to having some type of mental health disturbance. So it's nothing to feel shame about. It's nothing to feel lonely about. It's nothing to feel as if um, you know your, your life is less worthy or less honorable, or you have less dignity than anyone else because you're suffering. And you know you're you're, you're not alone. And there are effective ways to help um, yourself and also to seek help from others. Uh, we are living in a time where there's an epidemic of of loneliness, uh, akin to I would say smoking, uh, and and how that uh, causes so many health. Disturbances, isolation, and loneliness. Also, and, and I'm saying this in, in the context of a seasonal affective disorder because I think uh, I really want to hammer home that we are talking about ways to to stay connected and to and to not live in, in shame. I think it's important to give ourselves a lot of a lot of grace. Dr.
1: Miller, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it's a pleasure having you.
2: Thank you so much, James and Amy. I appreciate your time
1: and thank you all for listening. We hope you check back in with us for future episodes on wellness topics and specials covering specific areas of health. This has been Talking for the Health of It, and we'll talk to you next
2: time.